0: You may be seated good morning i'm pastor joe and uh i just want you to know that your life matters you personally not just the person next to you but yours we uh we gather and we pray at 8 15 and anybody's welcome to join us for that But one of the things that kind of rose to the surface today in prayer was that we asked the Lord to open our our eyes and our hearts today. And I love how the Lord connects, connects people. Brennan wasn't with us in that prayer time. He was in here with the worship team preparing. You've made it this far. You're here today. The next step of being willing to be open is on you as well. God's got something for you. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I wish I could tell you that. But he's got something for you. And he's always faithful, as we've sung. uh, We've been doing some work behind the scenes that you might not have noticed. But when you came in, if you came down the Ellery Wing, which is right outside this door over here, you noticed some things hanging on the wall. As a staff and as a leadership team, we've started to say, okay, how do we engage people and give them spots to serve inside the local church and outside the local church. Well, this is the beginning of that. We've identified some areas of service, and there's little black cards. Black is just the color of the card. (laughs) Don't read into it, okay? Uh, But we've got some black cards, and and it really identifies on the back under each one kind of what some areas in the local church might be to serve in there, And also, do you remember last summer when we spent like eight months studying spiritual gifts? Please say yes, otherwise, Pastor Tom has to start that next week again. (laughs) Whew, you're off the hook, bud. (laughs) Uh, Those spiritual gifts are going to come in handy because we've identified the gifts that might work really well in these specific areas. So take some time after the service as you're milling around and work your way down the Ellery Wing and. Take one of these or two of these if they maybe pertain to you, if it catches your eye, if you're like, oh, leadership. Well, God's kind of naturally positioned me for that and gifted me in that. Maybe take that one home and start reading through it and start praying through it. And in the weeks that come, you're gonna see some other areas that are gonna start to, it's gonna start to make sense as we move forward. But we know that God has called us to action. Faith is never static. So we're trying to help you identify ways that you might be able to serve inside the local church, but not just here at BPUMC, but all over the world. These are the first step in that. So take a minute, read through them. If it's not for you, then stick it back where you got it from and leave it for the next person. But you each matter. God has created you uniquely. He's called you by name, Scripture says, and he set a course for life. And while that is unique to you, it's part of the greater whole of God's mission to advance the gospel in faith. So, after the service, don't all run out there right now just because it's hot in here, okay? <laughs> Take a few minutes and uh, see what God might be opening for you. We've been walking through the prophets, and uh, the prophets, I met with a, a, a young uh, pastor this morning who is, is preaching in a, in a neighboring church, and and she said to me, she said, I just feel like it's so heavy right now in the, in the teachings and the prophets, I'm like, that's the deal with the prophets. If you want to just feel good, then you spend time only in the New Testament and you miss the depth and the the width of God's love. And you miss kind of what God has done from the very beginning at restoring his people. And grace, as uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think said, is cheapened. So we're sticking with the prophets for a little bit. Today we go to the, the largest book of the prophets in the Old Testament. His name's Isaiah, um, and you might know Isaiah. It's, it's, a, long, it's a long book, and it's, it's kind of hard to read, to be honest. I mean, and, and that's, at least from my vantage point, maybe it makes perfect sense to you, but Isaiah is a difficult book for me to read and to process it. So I've really got to spend time there and do a little bit of study outside of just the Bible so that I can understand what the heck is going on. And uh, so we're going to dive in today, and, and, and I'm grateful that we're only starting at verse 1 we're starting right at the very beginning. And Isaiah comes right after uh, the book in the Bible called Song of Songs. And uh, if you haven't read Song of Songs, you should. If you've read it, you know exactly why maybe we should read it. It might make you blush a little bit. Song of Songs is one of those, those works in Scripture that we're like, wait a minute, why is he talking about the opposite sex like that? God has uniquely created each of us. Isaiah falls right after Solomon's gift to us. I want to ask you a question on the front end and then uh, open with another, just a, a brief moment of prayer. What sin do you readily engage in You don't have to come up here and tell everybody unless you would like to do so. Confession is a healing process. What's kind of your go to sin? Sin might be able to maybe help you understand that a little bit. It's anything that grieves the heart of God. And I'm like, oh, you really made that easy, Pastor Joe. If you write in your Bibles, or maybe you need a piece of paper, there's paper and and envelopes, there's stuff around you if you need to write it down. If you want to write it down, go ahead. Um, Because we're going to talk a little bit about sin today. And if your tendency, like me, is to easily identify other people's stuff, you'll miss the movement of God when we talk about sin. But if you identify and allow the Holy Spirit to bring to the forefront of your mind right now, maybe just don't get overwhelmed. Just go with the one for right now. That's kind of your go-to. You know? Your guilty pleasure. Or whatever it may be. Let's pray. Now thank you for your word, which is always faithful, and always true. Thank you, Lord, that you have gathered your church today in such a way that we can't stay the same because you're here. And Lord, I pray that whether through my words or in spite of my words, we would experience the grace of our Heavenly Father as witnessed in the Son by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. I shared with you that we went camping this last week, and one of the things that's kind of nice for me about camping is there's and we had very poor cell reception. So if you reached out to me and I didn't respond, I'm sorry. Uh, I was on vacation, but I also didn't have great cell service. So I would get things at random times, and it was way past the point of important. But uh, one of the things that I appreciate is I'm able to just sit and kind of read, and uh, I've been I read two books. And one of them was life-giving and the other one was probably life-changing. And I'm not going to tell you which is which, but I'm going to tell you the two books that I read. The, the first book I read was the book of Romans. Uh, and it's Paul's letter to a people group, but it's really to all people. If you could only pull out one section in Scripture, some would argue that Romans is the spot to pull out if you were only allowed, and we talked about this this morning in prayer, actually, if you were only allowed to take a couple pieces of this book and take it with you and cling to that, a lot of people would say, especially if you already know Christ, that Romans would be a great section to grab a hold of. If you don't know Jesus yet, I want to introduce you to him. The Gospel of John is a great place to start. The Gospel of John in the New Testament. But I read the book of Romans, and uh, the Lord he's just... Sometimes it's like he's audibly talking to me as I read it, especially when I read it out loud. (laughs) Uh, But it's just, it's life-giving. The other book that I read was uh, by David Platt titled Radical. Anybody read Radical yet? One. Two. Okay, a small small population, a very small percentage of you have read that. If you have not read the book Radical, I would encourage you to read it. It's uh, not a feel-good book, but it is a transformational book. And... Platt says these two things in the beginning, and this is what kind of captivated, and I've, I've read this book actually twice before, so this is my third time reading it, and uh, he, he makes this statement at the front end. First, he does a lot of statistical stuff about uh, the church in America and where we are with our level of comfort and how we like coming to church and like it to be what I want it to be. So you can kind of see where this is going in the book, but he, he makes this claim, and he, I think he's probably right. He says that Many of the people who identify as Christians, especially in America, acknowledge Jesus. Like they believe they believe Jesus. Like they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Would we agree with that statement? That we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Hopefully a few more state that after we're done. Then he says this, and this is the part that I'm like, mm. very few are willing to obey Jesus. I'm not going to ask your assessment on that. You can just chew on that a little bit. If you acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, but you're not willing to obey Jesus, there's going to be a problem. And that is where we are today. That there's a lot of there's a lot of well-intentioned and and people who have experienced God's grace and recognize that, but they haven't taken that next step, which says, okay, Lord, I'm willing to obey you also. I preached a sermon a couple of Christmas Eves ago, three I think it was, maybe four. This was before COVID, so a few years ago. And I titled it... um, Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's not an either or. You either take him at the fullness, or you recognize that he was indeed God's son, but he doesn't have lordship in your life. This is not new, by the way. And the prophet Isaiah unpacks this in the very beginning of the book of Isaiah. It's actually been the message of God from the very beginning of time. This isn't, this isn't new, the tension that you're feeling right now, that internal struggle maybe that you're feeling isn't new. There is also great hope. Even when you disown Jesus or you aren't willing to obey Jesus, God still loves you. Because that's in the character and nature of who God is. He can't not love you, actually. Because that's who God is. And we saw that last week revealed, didn't we? Through the prophet Hosea. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to read the first verse, and then we're just going to skip ahead. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a backstory. Isaiah, the first verse, is really unpacking the authority of the text that we're about to read and creating some... um, this is really who I am, and this is really when this was taking place. I mean, the struggle about is the Bible accurate or real, or are the writings real, this is not new either. That's why Isaiah writes these things in the very first verse. So he gives credibility to it, saying, yes, this is indeed when this was written, this is to whom it was written, and it's by my pen that it's being written, essentially, right? It says this in the first verse, it says, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem, important, that's who he was talking to, right? He's He's recording this for these people, Judah and Jerusalem, that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Those were all kings of Judah. So this was a pretty long vision that he had, and it was for a people over a period of time, right? And uh, we know that Isaiah was uh, young when this began. So the Lord started speaking in his life when he was a young man, maybe even a young boy, okay? That's important. Sometimes I think, and this is me just kind of throwing this out there for you, sometimes I think the older we get, the harder it is for us to hear from the Lord. Maybe that's been your experience. Maybe as a small child, you felt like you had a very close relationship with God, but as time and life and things progressed, you started to feel this disconnect. Kind of like a callus. Right? And it's been building. Isaiah was hearing at a very early age. And that, that voice continued. Because Isaiah did a few things that were really pivotal. And he invited others to join him in that. So today we're going to look at three things. The first is the significance of washing. COVID was really good for us. It taught us that we need to wash our hands. Yeah, amen. Some of you washed your hands a lot before. And you're like, finally, the rest of the world has caught up with me. Right? At any given moment, I can ask pretty much anybody in here for some hand sanitizer. Y'all can pull it out real quick. Right? Keep your germs away from me. I remember as as a boy, my mom would say Did you wash your hands, Joseph? And I knew when Joseph was used that it was, she meant business. And I would always, what's what's the common response when you're asked that question? Yes, Yes. thank you, exactly, yes. What's mom's common response after that? Show them to me. (laughs) And if you're pretty crafty and she knew you didn't really wash them, sometimes, but they were clean looking, she'd say, let me smell them. I'm like... I could have I, My standard response was yes, and then I'd be like, Mom, I washed them earlier this morning. What's the big deal? Right? They're still kind of clean. I can't see the germs on them. But we know that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. You can probably see the train of thought for what's about to take place. Just because it looks clean on the outside doesn't mean that it's clean, especially not clean on the inside. So with that kind of thought process, we're moving into verse 10, and we're going to read the next uh, 10 verses. Isaiah unpacks that the people of Israel had abandoned God. They knew God, they received God's forgiveness, they received God's provision, but then when they thought they had it figured out, they ran away. Oftentimes this happens, and I'm not talking about your life, unless this fits, then maybe it's the Lord talking about your life, but oftentimes what I experience is people have a euphoric or a a big experience with God in the midst of their valley because we cry out to God don't we and we're like Jesus help me and all of a sudden the Lord shows up in some way and then we get back into life and we're past that crisis and we kind of get back to doing what we were doing before the crisis my question for you is how'd that work out for you we tend to go back to wandering away. I'm not talking about your story. I'm just talking about the people of Israel right now. Or maybe it's the story of humanity where we've kind of pushed God away. Verse 10, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah, if you understand the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know that there was actually no people left after Sodom and Gomorrah. They all died. They were all killed, actually, because of their wickedness. Specifically as it pertains to sexual immorality, actually. It says, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat Of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and the lambs and the goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. I can kind of see it being played out. They didn't really want God, but they knew that trouble was coming because they could feel the pressure right now. And all of a sudden, they want God to be there for them, right? Remember, it's kind of like our story, but it's their story. He says, Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. And this is all the Lord speaking to his children. He says, Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. The response of the people, and maybe our response would be, well, God, you said to come to church. Why would you say don't do this? Because your heart's not right, is what the Lord's about to say. Spoiler alert. You come out of religious obligation to try to save your skin. But you don't come out of love and loyalty and faithfulness to me. says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. This is not the God that we want to think about. He says, your hands are full of blood. And then he says this, wash and make yourselves clean. Sorry, I'm trying not to let my voice drop too much because I know that it's hard to hear if I, my voice drops when I'm driving a point home. Wash and make yourselves clean. The Lord invites the dirty people who have rejected him to come back again. You might not be able to see the dirt. That's why I've lovingly titled the first point for today, Wash Your Hands, You Sinners. We all fall into that category. I know we might feel like the saints, especially if we come to church, that makes us a saint. That doesn't make you a saint any more than parking your car in the garage makes you a mechanic. Okay? We don't want some of you working on our vehicles. (laughs) But God, in His mercy, says again to the people wash your hands. If you, like I do, if you start to ask questions about the scriptures, which is an important thing to do, ask some questions like, Lord, why did you say this? And then let the Lord start to unpack that. Don't, some of us are in the habit of doing this. The moment we have a question, what do we go to? Let me show you. We consult the great oogly-googly. Put that aside. Don't type it in your search engine. Just sit with the question for a few minutes, maybe half an hour, and let God start to bring thoughts to the forefront of your mind. Let God start to bring other scriptures. If you're in the habit of reading the scriptures, what you'll find is that while you have a question about scripture, like, Lord, why, why are you saying this? How does this, what does this have to do with me? Other scriptures will come to mind and you'll find yourself searching the scriptures. And scripture will testify to scripture. And the Holy Spirit of the living God will give you divine revelation. Not new revelation, divine revelation about who God is and who you are. And Isaiah was accustomed to searching the scriptures. We pick up in verse 16, after the Lord has invited us to wash our hands to be clean. He says, take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong and learn to do right. If you write in your Bibles, that's where we want to spend a couple of minutes today. Stop doing wrong. That's really easy to say, isn't it? I started the sermon by asking you to identify what your sin is, your go-to sin, right? What's the thing that's like right there? Well, it's really easy. Stop doing that. How many of you have confessed sin and in the process of confessing the sin engaged in it again already by the time you're done confessing it? The rest of you haven't confessed enough, I don't think. It's not just a matter of stopping under your own willpower. Because if you can stop under your own willpower, well then you don't need a Savior. If you can live life sin-free... There's no need for Jesus. And you've come to the wrong place, actually. But you've come into the space of worship where we celebrate together with other people who are on the exact same journey as us, sinners in need of grace. And God says, Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Learn is a tough word there, isn't it? It requires intentionality. Now, some of you, some of you, my friends, we're at the Bills uh, preseason stuff, weren't you? It's kind of fun, wasn't it? I'm not going to bash the Bills right now, okay? And I'm not going to bash preseason stuff. But you know what those guys are doing all of the time? Learning how to play that game. You know what some of the stuff they do is? They watch film. You know why they watch film? Not just to see what the other team is doing, but to see where their missteps are. Because when we identify where our missteps are, our spots where we can, okay, Lord... Help me not to do this. So we don't go in this direction any longer. We make a zag rather than a zig. And the end result, hopefully for Bills fans, is not just a championship title. We want the Super Bowl, baby. (laughs) Well, somebody's still listening. We talk about the Bills. (laughs) The end result for the Christ follower is to hear these words by Jesus himself as recorded by St. Paul, right? He says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Henceforth there is now laid up for you the crown, which the righteous judge will appoint to you on that day, and not only to you, but to all who have believed. The invitation from God is not just to stop doing good, it's to learn to do right and then to live into that. I want to teach you two very quick words. Sometimes, I know that sometimes I, I use big, I'm trying not to use big words, so if I use big words and you're like, why do you say that? It's just because they're in the books that I'm reading and it just kind of comes out at times. But there's two words that are really important. One of them is called orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, okay? I'm going to give, I'm going to break it down for you. ortho in the Greek or the Latin Greek really means correct or right, Right? It means that this is what is, is the right way or the correct way to do something. My kids understand this because I'm like, there's a certain way to wash the dishes. <laughs> you scrape the food off before you put that in the sink, right? There's a correct way to do this. And when you do this every time, then we don't have other problems. Ortho means right. Doxy is the Latin word for, for uh, belief or right, right understanding. And you can understand this a little bit better because the prophet is saying, you know what to do. Spend some time learning it now. Would you agree with this statement that there is a right way and a wrong way to engage in relationship with the Lord? You're divided on that, I can tell. Some of you are like, please don't make us say that out loud. I feel like this is a trap. It's not a trap. I'm just asking. Can Can you be a religious person So doing everything in the right order and have no relationship with God. So there is a right way and a wrong way. There is also right belief and wrong belief. James talks about this a lot when he says, beware of those false prophets. People that tell you whatever your itching ears want to hear. So in other words, they tell you that, you know, you can continue to live in the life that you have and it's going to be okay. The prophets never, ever say that, by the way. Never. I have people that I call when I'm having a bad day, don't I? Just like you probably do. You know who to call when to call them, right? You're having a bad day, so you call your buddy. Oh, it's going to be okay. Keep doing what you're doing. The Lord will bless that. (laughs) And then I have my covenant group that I call who says you keep doing that, Joe, and you're going to wind up completely separated from God and spend eternity apart from us. Like, that's not very nice. You're telling me I'm going to hell. Like, well, we didn't say you're going to hell. I'm like, yes, you did. You need to repent of that. They love me enough to tell me the truth. To say, Joe, that that route that you're taking right now is not the Lord's. And you can see because it doesn't line up with Scripture. See, orthodoxy says that there is right belief. The church at times has gotten this really good. We've been really good about our belief system. Like we can write it all down and we're really good about it and and we get confined in the building and we're contained to each other and it's safe, right? The next word is orthopraxy. Ortho means right, praxy, or let's let's change that a little bit, it sounds kind of like practice, living, or how we do things. The problem is we separate these two words, so we become religious, right? And we do things in the right way, but we have no relationship. Or we have no idea what we're doing, and we're just doing good things because it's the right thing to do. They become humanitarian efforts and we give people food and water, but they have no experience of Jesus. They have no understanding of that which they have received, and this is where David Platt wrecked me again this week. The Bible's crystal clear. That if we, don't, if we don't share the good news, that well-intentioned people will spend eternity apart from God, in the place that God has identified as hell. Some will say that doesn't preach real well, Pastor Joe. I'm sorry. Kind of like that sorry, not sorry. Because you need to understand that there is separation from God and the prophets called the people out all the time. But when we understand, and we understand that there is actually right belief, and we can know that by the grace of God, and we start to live into the fullness of that in our lives, then we experience the joy of the Lord. Isaiah is not done with them yet. And it's actually not Isaiah, it's the Lord speaking. Isaiah is just the guy writing it down, right? He actually, he didn't hear from the Lord. Remember what it said at the beginning? Bonus points, you get to go to communion first today if you get this right. It's a vision. He saw. And then he wrote it down. And he says this at the end. He says, stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. He says, seek justice. Always. I don't know if he was sharing with the prophet Micah or not right now, but that's been argued a little bit, okay? Micah 6 if you read that, like, seek justice, love kindness, right? Walk humbly with our God. I don't know if he's doing that, but he says, seek justice, encourage the oppressed. Did you hear that word there? Encourage those who are oppressed. And defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Do good. This, there's, there's more of you. I can see you kind of scattered around a little bit this crew right over here is going to take this to heart and engage in this this week as they defend the cause of the fatherless, as they plead the case for the widows and the orphans. As you love fully, you're going to have a unique opportunity to have children and adults experience Jesus through you Every moment of every day. Royal family's done that really well. There is no plan B. I mean, there might be a plan B for royal family. There's no plan B for God. You are the plan. I am the plan. And when we get our understanding of who God is right, and then we start to live into that and live out of that, actually, worship should be transformational, not just transactional. Then our lives reflect the glory of the Lord. And people say, I got to get what they got. I got to get me some of that. And he says this Come now, let us reason together. I love that too, by the way. It's like the Lord's saying, Hey, come on, let's just have a conversation about this. We're going to reason together. There's really no debate on this. It's not one of those. It's like the conversation I have with my kids. Riley's really great. I'm like, Riley, come on, let's have a conversation. She goes, Dad, we're not really going to talk right now. What you're going to do is you're going to tell me what I'm going to have to do. I'm like, Yeah, that's exactly right. But it sounds better when we say, Come, let us reason together. Right? Come on, let's reason together, says the Lord. Then he says this, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Listen to these next words. Wake up. If you're sleeping, come back. You want your life to be a reflection of the glory of God. You want to experience the good life with God. That doesn't mean that you're going to have all the great stuff here on earth, so stop thinking that way, okay? That's a lie. But it does mean that when that day of judgment comes that you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the only way that is going to happen, God gives it right here. It says if you are willing and obedient. You want your sins to be made as white as snow? You want the blemishes of the past to be washed away? You be willing and obedient to my son. By the way, We don't live when the prophet Isaiah was writing this. The Messiah had not yet come. But he has. And the way forward is really clear. And it's walkable. And it's lovable. And it's livable. And you can experience life like never before. He says you'll eat the best of the land. But if you resist... And rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. And I wanna just close, not with Pastor Joe's words, not with the prophet Isaiah's words. Thus saith the Lord. Not me, not a kid from Jerusalem Thus saith the Lord. Jesus, thank you for inviting us to a space today that is probably uncomfortable. And God, thank you for inviting us to a space today also where we can experience your grace that is ever flowing, never runs dry. Sometimes like the prophet Isaiah church, the Lord shows me things. And I don't like see uh, people's faces, but I know there's people there. It's kind of cloudy. Some of you right now are navigating this holy tension which says, God, you're speaking to me and I don't want to engage. And I just want you to know, I want you to hear from the Lord that the Lord loves you and desires to walk with you. And if you will grab a hold of the hem of the garment, he will set you free. Father, be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen.